thrillers, chillers, and chicks. Hello, and welcome back to Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. We're the Chicks. I'm Hannah. And I'm Erica. Nice to have you back if you had joined us for our first two episodes where we talked about Hereditary and Suburban Gothic. Yes. Today we're going to be talking about another movie from Ari Oster, uh, Midsummer, which I'm sure most of you have heard of. It was quite popular once it was released. Mm-hmm. And... Fair warning, this episode we're trying something a little different, just a different organizational style. Um, just letting you know, but still good content, 10 out of 10. We are still learning and we're trying to streamline our, <laughs> our structure. So I'm going to run through a recap real quick. Yes. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, you should go see it real quick. I'm pretty sure it's on Hulu for free right now if you have a Hulu subscription. And any trigger warnings uh, we should go over, there is, you know, some discussion of suicide and mental health There are stuff. some <laughs> depictions, um, graphic depictions of suicide. Yes. It's overall just kind of graphic. Graphic, yeah. Definitely both gory and sexual. No sexual violence. But... No, but definitely some graphic <laughs> sex scenes. Yes. So, um, the movie opens with our main character, Danny. Um, she's experiencing some strain in her relationship with her boyfriend, Christian, uh, over concern for her bipolar sister's well-being. Her concerns turn out to be justified as the movie opens with Danny's sister murdering their parents and committing suicide. And her boyfriend, Christian, had been on the verge of breaking up with her at the urgings of his friends, Mark and Josh, uh, but decided that he couldn't break up with Danny after she had experienced such a severe trauma because that would be kind of a dick move. So Christian and his friends, Mark and Josh, have been invited to Sweden by their Swedish friend, Pele, who grew up in a quote-unquote untraditional manner. Pele thought that by inviting the boys to his home, they could learn something for their graduate theses. Uh, Christian had kept the secret, the trip a secret from Danny as he planned on breaking up with her before he left, but he felt obligated to invite her along since he wound up not breaking up with her because, you know, she experienced severe trauma. They get to Sweden in Hollingsland, which is where Pele's community lives. They're kind of a rural farming community. And an English couple um, invited by Pele's brother meets up with Mark, Josh, Christian, and Danny when they get there. And the group does some psychedelic mushrooms almost immediately after arriving, which sends Danny into kind of a tailspin as she's still very emotionally unstable. The group settles in and becomes more acquainted with the traditions of Pele's people, and they participate in the festivities of the Harga, which is a festival that happens once every 90 years in the community. Uh, one of the first festivities that they are invited to witness are an elderly man and woman, uh having this big dinner with the whole community and then they follow them out to this cliff where the man and woman throw themselves to their death in a bizarre kind of passing on ceremony and the outsiders are understandably distraught by this display but they're assured by the community that it allowed the elderly you know people to pass with some dignity even though 
after throwing themselves off a cliff, they got their heads smashed in by mallets if they hadn't quite done the job themselves. So the couple from England wants to leave after this horrific display, and the community seems accommodating of their wishes at first, but the couple still appears kind of abruptly and mysteriously. It's around this point that Christian tells his friend Josh that he also wants to write about the Harga for his thesis, essentially stealing the idea that Josh has been passionate about for years and causing some friction between them. Uh, Mark, who has shown himself to be kind of the idiot of the group, uh, pisses on an ancestral grave and infuriates a lot of the community as he kind of blasé, you know, dismisses it. Like, what are you so upset about? And they're like, that is our ancestral grave. (laughs) After that, Mark kind of mysteriously disappears. Um, Josh and Christian go snooping into sacred books from the community that they had been told to leave alone um, in an effort to glean some more knowledge for their papers. And after that, Josh disappears mysteriously. Around this time, Danny drinks some more psychedelic tea as she competes with some other women in the community for the title of May Queen, where they dance around a maypole until the last one standing is crowned the May Queen. And it turns out to be Danny. So this affords her the honor of leading some of the rituals of the festival. And while Danny is preoccupied with these ceremonies, Christian is drugged and quote-unquote coerced into having sex with a young woman from the community named Maya in a bizarre ritual seemingly designed to impregnate her. The two have sex while several older naked women watch and mimic Maya's moaning throughout the time that they're having sex. Now, Christian had stated before that he would be willing to have sex with Maya, after he'd noticed that she'd given him juice with her own menstrual blood and a pie with her pubic hair in it, in a ritual supposedly designed to seduce men. And one of the elders of the community had asked Christian if he would be willing to have sex with Maya, and he readily agreed. So it's not really fair to say he was coerced into it, as he was willing before he was drugged. Now, when Danny comes back from the festivities she had been participating in, she can hear the ritual taking place, in the barn and she goes to witness it even though the younger women try to dissuade her and once she sees what's happening she proceeds to have a breakdown with the younger women surrounding her and crying with her mimicking her cries much in a similar fashion as the older women were mimicking maya's moaning and after the ritual christian tries to run away and he discovers the dead bodies of his friends Josh, the man from the English couple, Connie, the woman from the English couple, uh, before he is drugged into paralysis by some of the members of the community. After this, um, the community explains to Danny that in order to purge evil from their community during the Harga festival, nine human sacrifices must be made. Four outsiders, which were Mark, Josh, Connie, and her boyfriend, Four villagers, the two elderly people who jumped to their death in the beginning, and then two living, willing victims who have elected to be burned alive. And the ninth that Danny must choose as the May Queen. Her choices are between a willing participant from the community or Christian. And she chooses Christian. And the movie ends with all nine of the sacrifices, living and dead, being sent up on a sort of glorified funeral pyre and Danny wandering through the field with the rest of the community screaming in agony. So, Erica, <laughs> what did you think of Midsummer? Um, I really liked the movie. 
Um, in this case, this was one that I had actually seen before we decided to watch it. So mm-hmm. I was very excited to see um, Hannah's reaction. And I saw it in theaters when it came out. So that was a it was a good time. But being in the theater, it was definitely like, hmm, what's happening now? I can only imagine. It's it's sort of a wild ride, and like the cinematography is just so beautiful. Love that cinnamon topography. And I kind of love how they shot all of it in daylight. So there was all these horrific things happening, but it was always so bright and green and sunny. Mm-hmm. And the the actions and events themselves were horrifying enough that the environment didn't really need to match it. And in some ways, I think. It made it more horrifying when it was happening, you know, in this kind of serene, peaceful setting. Mm -hmm. I think I can only think of them like the only time it's dark is when they're going to sleep, which is they only really show it to be like it's bedtime and then they pan to like the next day or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And even then um, in the movie, they kind of explain that it doesn't really get dark. So they just kind of draw the shades to mm-hmm. make it really dark and where they're sleeping. And then there's only one other scene that I can think of that like actively occurs when it's dark out. Um, and I'd say, I mean, it's still a little spooky, but it's definitely to me, probably one of the least horrifying things to happen in the movie. Cause it's when, um, what is it? Josh, mm-hmm. he goes into the, that sacred building and tries to like look into their sacred book. Right. And he, he kind of gets conked over the head and disappears. Let's talk about Danny's relationship with Christian. Foo boy. Throughout the movie. Um, I said to Erica while we were watching this movie that that boy has got to have some stock in oil companies for all that gaslighting he was doing. Yes. My goodness. Like, this girl was going through some genuine trauma and he just stayed making her feel bad about it. At every turn. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, like, if if there was a way to describe his energy, it's like, man, your trauma sure is inconvenient to me. <laughs> yeah, he constantly made her feel like a chore and a burden, but he never seemed to really have the backbone to just break up with her mm-hmm. and be honest with her, which was frustrating. <laughs> Very frustrating. And the, oh gosh, the gaslighting. Like, um, when he... Because Danny ends up finding out about them going at a from a party. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when she confronts him about it, like, hey, I didn't know you were going. You know, why didn't you tell me? His first thing was to definitely make it her fault. And she ends up apologizing, even though very reasonably she wants some of that good old communication. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like the way their relationship ended was just kind of an inevitability. You know, like the way they interacted with each other and stuff. There was no other way (laughs) I feel like it could have ended. And I feel like he kind of deserved it. Mm -hmm. There, that was another interesting thing about this movie is now I've talked about this to some people and they disagree with me. So I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. I've kind of told you about this, but in most cult movies that I've seen, they spend a lot of the movie kind of exposing the sins of the cult and like, showing what makes them evil but i felt like in this movie the cult was never really vilified in my eyes Mm-mm. even though they were committing some heinous and horrifying acts i kind of understood why they did everything they did and in some ways was kind of like i might have done the same thing especially in the case of like mark who literally pissed on a sacred thing and mm-hmm. laughed and they killed him for it 
or Josh, who, like, he had been explicitly told multiple times, like, no, you can't take pictures and see what's in this book. Like, this is very important to us. And they made it clear that they were already being generous by allowing him as much access as he was getting. And he kind of threw it back in their face. And granted, you know, murdering them is kind of extreme. But I don't know. And then just the way that they seemed to protect and stick up for Danny... I think kind of endeared them to me as well, just Mm -hmm. because you start out the movie wanting to root for Danny and feeling very protective of her just because her life is so unfair. And the first people who seem to really support her are the the cult members. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. They were never really vilified to me. I didn't think so either. And like, even um, I feel like a lot of times, similarly in these cult movies that like, there's always that hint. And, and like, even if you watch like a documentary on cults, there's very obviously a point where you kind of know that they know what they're doing is wrong or what's happening isn't exactly. right in how they either talk about it or how they don't want to talk about it. But in Midsummer, yes. they're very open and like, there's just no hint of. There's nothing really that's hidden. And I think that's an element that was kind of missing here that's in a lot of cult movies is the power imbalance where there's, you know, the charismatic leader on top and the sheep underneath. And you had kind of talked about how interesting it was that they appeared to sort of act like a hive mind. You know, when in that scene where they were crying with Danny, I think was very poignant for me in that they share in each other's pain and they share in each other's joy. And it's not like one faction is trying to hide something or keep power from another faction. They're all working together as one. They're all in it together, essentially. Mm-hmm. And like that, you know, when they mimic the pain or like scream during the fire, they're experiencing that pain. It's weird that I find this scene so heartwarming, oddly enough, is when they dance to be the May Queen just yes. because she wins and they're so happy for her. Like they all start hugging yes. her and it's like There's so no sweet. animosity or resentment at all. And like in in some ways, it's what every cult aspires to be mm-hmm. and advertises themselves as is, you know, this genuine community. And all of these people from the cult who do sacrifice themselves appear to do so very willingly Mm -hmm. and almost happily. So it's hard for you sometimes to even see like the the elders who jump off the cliff or the two villagers who allow themselves to be burned alive at the end as a sacrifice to see that as a heinous act because they don't seem to have been coerced in any way. They genuinely believe that this is what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And they don't even really struggle against it. Cause like, even when they're in the the pyre Mm -hmm. or even when they're like, they're very actively walking themselves off the cliff. Like you expect to see while they're in the pyre. Cause they do kind of show you them burning alive. Mm -hmm. They don't really run or really move all that much. Like obviously they squirm and stuff because they're like in pain and they're screaming, but they're not actively trying to leave. No. Like I'd maybe imagine I would once I felt that heat come towards me, like Mm -hmm. on second thought, maybe I'll try to get out, but they don't, they, they stay there. And maybe I think that's just this kind of idea that the cult isn't really vilified to us is part of what's so horrifying about the movie is that you leave it feeling disturbed, but not necessarily angry. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of times, like I said, in these kind of power imbalances we see in cults or 
people taking being taken advantage of, we get angry because our sense of injustice is kind of triggered by that. But there didn't seem to be a ton of injustice in this movie, except for maybe the murder of the English couple. I think they were the, they were just genuinely uncomfortable and wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was some like actual murder, which you know, never really okay. But I think that was, like I said, part of what made it so disturbing but also so well done is that there wasn't really anyone i was super angry at except maybe christian Christian. but he got burned alive in the end so (laughs) yes christian and i guess mark mark sucked mark Mark was was the the worst worst. (laughs) he was just an idiot Mm -hmm. and i think the way that they shot the movie also echoes that because um I feel like in a lot of movies with a similar plot, as in there's like this group of people that's supposed to be the antagonist or who's doing these things, mm-hmm. it's very central to the the protagonist or the people who've been put in the yes. situation. Yes. And it's very focused on them and nothing else is really going on. But in Midsummer, everything is shot where there's, it doesn't so much seem like we're watching like Christian and his friends and stuff be in this situation as much as we're watching the situation and them kind of yes if that makes sense that's a very good way of putting it it's not really shot like from their perspective it's sort of like we're a fly on the wall almost in Mm -hmm. a lot of these situations and in that way too i think it gives us a lot of power back as the viewer this movie i think really invites you to make your own decisions on people because we are just sort of viewing these situations objectively. They're not really trying to persuade us one way or the other, which is another reason, you know, the cult isn't trying to persuade us even. We're just objectively watching things unfold. We can make our own opinions. My Mm -hmm. opinions are most of them were kind of dicks. (laughs) Yeah, they were kind of crappy people. Even, like, there are scenes where they're, um, like, talking amongst each other or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you look in the background, everything's still very movement. But it's not, yes. like, too much, if that makes sense. Like, visually, it's not like there's too much going on. It just feels like they're in this very active world that's functioning whether they're there or not. Exactly. So. The story doesn't revolve around them. It's going to continue in spite of them. Mm-hmm. So I I very much enjoyed that. I thought that was a cool, <laughs> cool idea. It was really just an an excellent movie and so so very well done. And there were so many visual things happening in that movie. Um, you know, in the very opening scene or one of the very opening scenes, we see a poster above Danny's bed of a bear and a girl dancing, you mm-hmm. know. And obviously that's some foreshadowing of Love me some foreshadowing. What's happening and there's just a lot of little little easter egg kind of things like that throughout the movie which i thought were really well done i don't know it very easily could have been a very different kind of movie maybe more of a violent you know evil cult sort of movie but i think it wouldn't have been so masterful and i don't think it would have gained the popularity that it did if it had been like that i think in the ways that it's different is what makes it really interesting and really probably going to be one of my my favorite horror movies that mm-hmm. I return to. And every time you watch it, I feel like you notice something else or it, mm-hmm. it looks that much more vibrant and beautiful. And I I just really like, I mean, even if you don't like 
spooky movies, you know, because I, you know, it's definitely gory. Um, it's a really pretty movie to look at for it the most really part. Pretty. I love the colors. I love the the pyre because it's like this big yellow pyramid house thing. Yes. And it's so pretty when they show it to you and you're like, I want to go in there. And then you get to the end and you're like, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, oh, I also feel like we have to give you know, props to the the cast of this movie because they did such an excellent job. They were so good. Yes. I know um, the character who plays Josh... Um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen the show The Good Place. If you haven't, it's a really good time. I really love that show. But he plays such a very nice, uh, almost overly cautious, respectful character. So seeing him in this movie kind of being less so was very interesting. But he did a great job. It wasn't hard for me to see him as this other character. Mm-hmm. He like he really Yeah, he did an excellent job. <laughs> the range. They they all did so well and Florence Pugh as well did yes. phenomenal. As always, a queen. We stand <laughs> the May Queen. <laughs> the May Queen. So Erica, what rating did we decide on for Midsummer? We gave Midsummer. <laughs> It's a mouthful. Nine out of nine human sacrifices placed inside a disemboweled bear and burned alive. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. Well, thank you all again for joining us for this episode of Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks. We're the chicks. (laughs) We We hope you enjoyed it. Um, And please join us next time as we discuss one of my favorites of all time, Knives Out. Yes, very good movie. Probably definitely one of my favorite movies probably ever. I it Agreed. Just, it yeah. gives me so much serotonin. <laughs> it's just such a good movie, but we will discuss it more in depth next time, and we look forward to seeing you there. Until then, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Bye. Bye. It's Erica from Thrillers, Chillers, and Chicks, and I just want to let you all know that our primary form of social media right now is Twitter. You can find us at AnnChillers. There you can find updates and also give us your feedback on the podcast. Thank you again for listening, and stay spooky.